1: how how you doing? I'm doing well, man. Y'all can call me dirty from now on because I plan on getting dirty with George's ass. I'll give you the politically non-correct answer.
2: Let the nuts hang. Let the Let fucker the fly, man. Hang. Well, you never know what the hell's going to go on in Morgantown. You get off the bus, it smells like straight whiskey.
3: What other 50-year-old white man's out here doing a gritty that night? You know, whatever. <laughs> we'll but, no, I'm saying the lights went out. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. Don't worry. It's Dabo
2: doing the gritty.
3: I say right foot, creep. Cheers, boys.
2: Welcome to the Field of 12 After Dark. We are presented by Bet Rivers, George Whitfield, my man, Clint Sterner, my man. I'm Yogi Roth. I'll be hosting tonight. Check us out, Series XM app. If you miss it tonight or you can't watch the whole thing or listen to the whole thing, find us there. And if you want some swag, go to the merch store, fieldof68.shop. We know basketball season has started, so there's a lot of cool swag in there. But football season, fellas, is in full swing week two of the CFP rankings has just come out. We have a lot to talk about that we're going to talk about the Heisman we're talking about dark horses. We're going to go deep into the weeds because that's what we get to do here on this show every single night of the week but as we start every single night of the week with a toast. now today is a special day in this country we all voted maybe you guys voted I'm not sure if you voted or not but I do believe this I believe that sport has allowed, Any of us who participated or anyone who gets to participate now, whether it's youth like our kids or, Clint, as your daughter gets older, all the way up to the professional ranks, it allows you to connect on a powerful level. So tonight, I want to toast to what sport can do. amid a world that sometimes or often divides. Play can also unite. So with that, I want you to think about a moment in your sporting life were sport truly united. I will start to give you time to think about that. Think about it as, at home as, as well. For me, I'm going to put my man George on blast. It was years ago in 2020, and this country went through a lot. People were looking every which way, and I watched a room of quarterbacks look to George Whitfield and say, hey, George, can you help me out? Because I'm trying to make sure I can connect to all of my teammates black, brown, white, you name it, and talk to them and connect with them based on their experiences. Can you give me some advice? And George Whitfield, from that moment on, I believe, connected quarterbacks in one of the most unique ways I've ever seen in my life. So with that, I want to cheers to George. We're going to have a great hour, but also to sport, because sport can unite. And if it tears you apart, then to me, you need a timeout, because you are missing the whole point of what play can do. So I'll start it off, George. I'll send it to you next. Um, well, I appreciate that. Um,
3: Clint, that was probably the the biggest butterflies I ever had in my life. We are maybe four weeks after the murder of George Floyd. We're in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and um room full of high school kids. Caleb Williams is one of them. Room full of college counselors. Fields is one of them. Big butterflies that night. There's two moments at Sports United uh, that I'll, I'll never forget. One, I'm going into – I'm a grad assistant at Iowa. Uh, I'm 21 years old, and it was the Towers, when the Towers went down, uh, mm-hmm. 9-11. And i never forget just being around the Iowa football team with my little role in contribution. Um, and contribution. And, like, everyone – was family everyone uh latino white black senior freshman old coach young ga like myself you just moved as one and i remember watching the yankees and the mets come out and 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 play that was one for sure and then yeah over the last two years watching sport navigate its way through how are we going to unify together and message together that was really unique because there was a lot of this pro teams, college teams, and then watching how the fans and the communities and all that, but sport is our, it's our best unifier. It's our best weapon. I don't even want to call it a weapon. It's our best tool. I think as a society, because any given Friday night, as my lights just go out any given Friday night, everyone is red or everyone is green and silver or purple and gold or crimson and white. Clint uh, down there in, in Arkansas, everyone that came that night is that, that night. And the the thing I always get, wonder about is how do we not get this shit to roll out of the stadium too? You know, Sunday through the next home game when we're all gonna see each other. So th- those would be my two uh, moments.
1: Yeah, Well, here, cheers to it. Let me put my glass in the air one time, G.
3: Yeah, there, there you go.
1: Man, you know, I mean, look, there was – I was with the Cowboys when 9-11 went down, and that was obviously a really powerful moment uh, of bringing the world together um, and, I, you know, being with America's team. Um, I mean, it was on – it was front – we were front and center. The team was front and center. I was in the middle of of what I – you know, what I believe – was one of the biggest moments um, of, you know, that sports impacted our our world. But man, I like for me, I just, it goes back to kind of what you were saying, George, for me, it's like, if, if the world that we live in, if the world we live in could be more like a huddle, Mm. more like, let me speak for my, the huddles that I was in, right. You had dudes from every corner of America you had dudes from with every shade of, of skin, you know, possible. You had, you know, females working in the game, maybe more now so than back then, but but definitely they were around. Um, and everybody was pulling a rope the same direction. Um, everybody was rowing the boat instead of drilling holes, all that kind of thing. And 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 a lot of the things that we deal with in our world weren't even, to be honest with you, they weren't even a factor in, in our huddle. Um, and not just game time in the moment when there's 70, 90, a hundred thousand in the stands, but when we were in study hall, you know, that huddle was, st- was strong. So I, I to, not to pick one moment or another, I just, I like, and, and I wish our world could be more like the huddle that I, that, that I, that I was in. Cause, um, it, it was powerful, man. I, I had, and that was my, I'll be honest with you, like my, my, special power as a quarterback was was being able to relate to dudes whether they're from New York or they're from Compton it doesn't matter I I mean I there's just something naturally there that I'm wired that way and so maybe it was more evident to me than it was everybody else but I try to live my life that way and and uh boy I feel like if the world could be more that way it'd be a better place to live that's for damn sure
3: and make no mistake that is a superhero that's a superpower to connect, mm-hmm. oh, that's a superpower for sure. But yeah, toast to that.
2: Toast to that. Appreciate it, fellas. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. And I'm looking forward to this conversation. George, turn those lights on. We would light that face up. Look, look, look sweet for the camera. Uh, the rankings are out. Georgia, no surprise. Sitting at one, Ohio State, two, Michigan, three, TCU, four. Uh, Tennessee, Oregon rounded out with the top six. We all watched it go down. Biggest thought you had before we go into the weeds of how it landed on you when you watched the release from 25 up from UW to Georgia, what was it? Clint, I'll start with you. We'll go around the horn and we'll keep it moving all night.
1: Yeah, it's an easy one for me, guys. I think moving forward, why schedule big game non-con opponents? Why why schedule marquee games early in the year? Why schedule non-conference opponents that are um, top ten opponents that are blue bloods. Why, right? I mean, that to me, that's it. Um, Oregon's getting penalized for it. Um, it, and not just that they lost, but the fact that they lost forty nine to three to a a Georgia team that. Uh, you know, that that was rocking and rolling coming off a national championship and Dan Lanning was just trying to get his feet wet in Eugene. Nobody wants to talk about that. We just, everybody keeps, every time I turn the TV on and they, the ranking comes out when it gets to Oregon, it's, oh, 49-3. 49-3 versus Georgia. And, and so my 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 big take is, why do that? Because you're, again, you're looking, Ohio State is proving that you there's no need to do it. If you're a big blue blood a household brand in America, which I think Oregon is. I think Oregon and USC both out of the Pac-12 are those teams. Um, you can argue others. Yo, I'm sure you feel a little bit differently being out there, but but you know, the, there's just it, to me, it's it's moving forward. If I were in charge of scheduling for a blue blood, for a a big time top ten, top fifteen football team, year in year out. I would I have I have no there's no interest in in adding big time marquee games to my schedule moving forward. I'll I'll play out my contracts that I've got in place right now. Let's rock and roll. But when that's said and done, there ain't no need. And that's only going to be more true, guys, when they expand the playoffs.
2: Mm, Okay, we'll get into that later, George.
3: Uh, I agree with Clint, but from a different perspective you know they say crime doesn't pay. You know how they used to say that in them old shows. <laughs> Big game hunting early in the season, they don't really pay either. Uh Ohio State, to Clint's point, I'm just going on the opposite side of the coin. They scheduled number five. Well, they scheduled Notre Dame and Notre Dame came in five. These schedules were done years in advance. They played Notre Dame, lost their best player for six the first six or seven weeks in Smith and Jigba in that game, could have happened in any game, but they lost them in that game. Then they messed around got on the barroom floor with another top five team that you had to basically strangle them and choke them out to get out of there. And then that team comes apart later and you get no credit for them anyway. Marshall comes in and beats Notre Dame a month later in Notre Dame with ease. So it didn't even really merit Ohio State loading up. It was just fun for the fans to see, but for the program, what was the payoff? Michigan allegedly got out of a game with UCLA. I've been told that over and over and over this fall. That's
2: true. That's and
3: true. it paid because they're sitting right there now. They're sitting one seat next to Ohio State. And Ohio State went out on that limb and did a dance with Notre Dame. They played the same Big Ten schedule Michigan's gonna play. Michigan just they just haven't been put on the barroom floor. All knockouts. You know, and they're they're still coming into their own, but all knocka big game hunting doesn't pay anymore. It did for the BCS when the little smoke filled room was going to put two teams in there, and I got to go find an elephant, an elephant, a rhino, and I'm gonna lose some ribs and a pint of blood doing it. But at least when I show up here on Judgment Day, I can show all these heads on the wall. Oh hell, now nah, you you don't have that. It just does not pay to go big game hunting. And imagine if Oregon didn't go down to Atlanta and play Georgia. Imagine if Oregon dialed up San Jose State, beat the hell out of San Jose. They're undefeated. Or if Oregon called uh, Indiana, hey, you guys want to dance a little bit? Knock them out. They're undefeated. They start the season, put their feet on the ground when the season starts, walk right into a, a wood chipper and got rolled. And then it took them forever to come back now they did but did that <clears throat> game pay that game didn't pay for them it's fun yeah. for the fans it's fun for tv gee if i'm a do coach,
1: you you look at look thing. at bro look at like like lsu and i know that game didn't mean much when it happened but when lsu florida scheduled state. florida state that was supposed to be a a marquee game right, right. look right. at utah and florida like Utah right now, if they'd have went and scheduled a cupcake, they'd be sitting with one loss and 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 they're st- they're still in the contention for the Pac twelve, I believe. Yo, know, you correct me if I'm wrong in these Pac twelve deals, but they would be sitting a lot higher in these rankings in thirteen right now if they wouldn't have lost to Florida. So you can, we can go up and down this list right here, That's and a a if point. a team capitalized because they went big game hunting like you're talking about, it's because they slipped somewhere else, right? Yeah then you can say okay well i needed that but i mean i just i just don't see the advantage and the reward in scheduling big non conference opponents i don't care if it's at the beginning or the end of the at the end of the year i i just don't see how teams are benefiting from it at all whatsoever and i don't know why they do it moving forward
3: here's what scares me though is now that texas is going into the sec I keep looking forward to a Texas Texas AM. Are they going to get back to their rivalry now? With now, with everything we're saying, maybe those two ADs just assume pass each other on the street. Why would we get in the ring together? Like, like why you should. Uh, I think you should. And Joel Clatt had something interesting. Uh, one of Yogi's partners there at Fox, he said, Now that it goes to 12, obviously the road widens. You don't have to do this. Is the last year we're going to talk about all this comparative stuff because really, two lost teams are going to be in it. A three lost team is going to be in the playoffs when it widens to twelve. Joel Klatt said, "If you were a playoff team or a conference champ or a conference runner up, just like in the NFL, the following year you should play an upper level schedule. You should, and and then it doesn't really matter what Indiana and Rutgers do. They should play." some teams to get themselves back up but all these teams sit in the top 15 top 20. clat proposes they do take on a heavier slate you should go on the road early in the season you should go play some heavyweight games it's on his podcast if you guys get a chance to check that out I thought it was interesting but it didn't pay this year it doesn't pay in this format maybe that 12 team format you know they can bulk up the rules a bit if they want to
2: so let's just, a couple names. Tennessee Martin, Arkansas State, Toledo, Colorado State, Hawaii, Yukon, Tarleton. I don't even know who Tarleton is. Uh, it's, Tar- but, it's Tarleton, but, but Tarleton. Yeah, you get it. There you go. <laughs> big, <laughs> big, big rodeo school, big rodeo school, bro. Amazing. Good for them. But They're on somebody's slate that's ranked <laughs> in the top 10. And you know it's a fair point. I, I think what is interesting in college athletics is like, if you look at the last couple of years, even pre-COVID, you've had this attendance decline are like we need big games. We need people to come. We need people to come because even the Alabama's the world we're dragging, we're dropping. Now, I, it'll be interesting to see what AD say in making these deals. I don't think anybody's going to do deals that are like 10 years down the line. I think to J- Joel and George's point, it'll be like, "Hey, if we're good, let's go play." Like I think they should redo bowl games in that regard. I think it should almost be like a draft of like hey, what matchups do we want to go see making intriguing versus like these conferences that are locked three versus four from respective leagues. Uh, So so interesting stuff there. Um, On another note in that regard, the thing that stood out to me in the CFP, um, and I'll get out of the Pac-12 because I'll talk Pac-12 later, but non-Pac-12 was Clemson. Like, we all watched them. In the last three weeks, they've had two games, and they played two quarterbacks in both games. For, For them to sit at 10, I just sat there and I'm like, if they were up against Ole Miss, UCLA, Utah, the loss, teams right loss, behind. Loss. It, it, yeah, it's just not it, and it it's just a reality, I think. And I was surprised that the committee put them there because I know how this thing works. Like you present, I, I get to be on the team that presents on behalf of the Pac 12. I've told you guys this before. You present your teams for the top four, and then you present your teams for the top twenty-five. And you have to make a case. You have to provide context with that case. They also absorbing all that context, and the concept with context with Clemson is we're not getting good play at our quarterback position, no. and for them to sit still at ten, knowing what their path is, like I don't think anybody's going to sit here and say dramatically challenging up until their title game. I think it's North Carolina. I think we'd assume that they would play, but it's not like they have you know anybody like the, the George's Roman army coming through. So I thought that was really interesting to see where they put them because if we're reading the room right. They're sitting at 10, meaning that's where they think they are today moving forward. And I'm just like, I don't know if they're top 15 moving forward. So so that one, that one, you know,
3: you're just being real nice about it. You know, they're not top 15. You're just being very nice to them and their fan base. I'm going to just say it, Clemson, honestly, like, and they didn't disappoint me. We've been talking about this all like all year, Clint, you and I, especially. That was about what I saw and called the game on this here broadcast a couple times. They'll drop at Notre Dame and all the rest of this stuff. Like they were just winning games on credit, borrowing from this leveraging that. Like they, they didn't really have it. They didn't really have it. And it just looked disappointing at Notre Dame. Really. It's not the loss. You go up there and lose 28, 21. Hey, tough break in the fourth quarter. The game was a non-contest midway through the first quarter. A Notre Dame team that hopped up, pounced on them from the beginning. Both sides of the ball wasn't like it was just some kind of dumpster fire on offense. No leadership at the quarterback position, no stability from that standpoint. And then a team wobbles. They're going to wobble. How are they going to stabilize themselves? And they got beat. But the defense, this vaunted front-line defense they had, got ran through. Notre Dame put the ball on the ground for a tune of like 275 yards rushing. No trickery. And their quarterback would be a fourth stringer at Clemson. And they beat him. (laughs) He would. I'm not even knocking him. Drew Pine, and God bless him, and we've worked with him. If he walked in Clemson's quarterback room, he'd be fourth. And he led the charge. And he knocked him out. But if you look, and and to Yogi's point, Clint, if you put Clemson, if you put Clemson and Ole Miss, neutral site, who's coming out? I bet I bet Ole Miss. Hell, I bet Notre Dame last week. If you put Clemson and UCLA at a neutral site, who's coming out? LA, Utah, Penn State, North Carolina is going to be real drama. These guys haven't done anything but win since they lost that one close one in in September. They're going to get like. I just, I, again, Yogi, to me, it just goes back to legacy. And these guys have been here at the party so often and, and, you know, their credentials, you know, come on, can you see, how, try it again, run it again, run it again, run it again. And the, and it never really did register. Whoever's at the gates was like, Oh, hell we know him. Come on, come on. <laughs> Let him on in. And, and they're with you. Yeah. 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 We'll be good. We'll be good. We'll be good. all right. Bro. That's yeah. how it went. Clemson should nowhere near be on here. And if we're looking below him, Clint, imagine looking above him. Bam, SCLSU, Oregon, all knockouts. No question. competitive in any of those, just to be honest. It's the worst of the top. You have to go all the way down to me, honestly, to NC State before you find a team that, that they can really go in and tangle with that Vegas
2: would get even money on.
3: The other 15 teams or 14 teams
2: no and you know what'll be interesting clint (laughs) So i'm intrigued to see how they handle all this we've seen when you know buster douglas punches tyson dropped him like this is this is i think it's a moment for that program as college football is in a
0: moment as well we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
1: Yeah, I mean, but you know, here's the deal. Yog, is is, I think that team's Dabo Sweeney's done enough from a talent perspective, and the way the ACC is right now in terms of Miami being down, Florida State not being who they typically are, yada yada yada. You get the point. Um, you know, I think that they're going they're going talent their way to. An acceptable season. Like when we look back, like right now, we look back at last year and go, oh, they lost three games. Man, no big deal. It's a bad season at Clemson. That's a great season anywhere else, right? We make excuses because of how good they have been in the past. But in reality, to hell with the records, there's no, I'll say that there is no glue in Clemson right now. There's a lot of really good players. There's a lot of dudes on that defense that are going that defensive front that I think are going to be drafted early in the draft. They're, 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 you can't tell me that Clemson doesn't have pass catchers. I mean, Clemson has pass catchers that people would die for uh, outside the top ten right now. I, I, and I don't know who they are. I'm just saying I'm, I'm just that's just the reality of it. Right now, and I've thought this from the jump, when you talk about DJU, great talent, good player, all that's great. But with the dudes that you're in the huddle with, you got you got ten sets of eyeballs staring back at you. Do they believe in you? Would they take a bullet for you? Are you the glue that keeps those guys together when shit gets rough? Are you that dude? And mm-hmm. I think when Clemson doesn't have that dude, you know they're a eight nine they're nine mortal. wins.
3: Say it again. You. They're mortal. mortal. They're mortal.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. And when they have that dude, and you can say it's about a lot of teams, but when they have that dude, they well, can yeah. win it all. It's it's that it's that. I think it's that powerful when your quarterback or whoever your leader is supposed to be. If that guy's not that alpha in the room that we talked about week one, George, when we came on here, if he's not that alpha in the room and guys roll their eyes, when he starts to talk, you're going to, you're going to underachieve. And
3: that's the case study because really we're the audience probably thinks we're talking about in games, Yogi. We ain't talking about just in games, your teammates, A locker room is the most sacred, honest, transparent place on the planet. And when I say locker room, I'm expanding that to the weight room, early running, uh, the work. They see the work, the dedication, the devotion. They see all that. They see all that. There are lesser talented quarterbacks than DJ in this top 25. Hell, in this top 10, who have riled up, revved up, their congregation everybody just like what clint's saying they're in all are volunteering for that bullet just because you've been doing it right
2: quick story and then we're going to get on to the top four and have a discussion around that but i remember when i was coaching at sc and then as an analyst i saw it at oregon uh specifically at sc all of a sudden coaches started launching i mean like launching out of their head coaching jobs college the nfl huge coordinator jobs and it was hard to hold on to it all, like hard to hold on to that magic. And you had to make sure that you were bringing it from within. So I wonder what what that is really like. Because I think that's living that. That was really hard. Like at SC, it was when Jeremy Bates came in and became the OC. Sark and Lane had left. Norm had left. Like guys had left. And it was just hard to fight on to that and hold on to that identity. So I, I wonder. We're not there. I, I'm not there. I, I wonder what it's like there. Then the other part, I, I felt like I saw it at Oregon too, was – when you had so much success that when you got there as a player, you were like, it's going to happen. Like we're going to go to the Rose Bowl again and again and again, for instance. Um, I wonder, you know, and that'll be, that was the litmus test a year ago when they fell off a little bit to your point, Clint. We'll see what it is here again. That's why I'm intrigued with them the last month of the season. Um, With that said, I know you guys are intrigued with the Big Ten, and I love seeing TCU in the top four. Do we think, like, let's just, solidify Georgia let's just assume they roll and win the ACC title number one seed and away they go see if they could repeat among the two in the Big Ten and then of course what TCU has done how do we feel about that as our top four and then we know that one of those two are going to lose where do you think the loser is based on what we just talked about with Oregon or somebody representing a one-loss Pac-12 championship
3: go ahead Clint
1: yeah, look, I mean, I, I love Michigan and Ohio State being being two and three, I, I, and I love it because one of them's got to take the bull by the horns. One of them's got to win this thing out. I, if you're asking me who do I think that is, I think that's what I heard you say. I, I would bet on Ohio State. I think Ohio State's defense, I know personally I haven't talked enough about their defense. I think their defense is absolutely real, and I think when you look at the quarterback position, um, Ohio State wins that battle head over heels, and unless unless the the young fella at Michigan just comes out and surprises us all, which stranger things have happened, Michigan Michigan gets good players, and Harbaugh knows how to knows how to develop them, so we'll, it, it could happen. We'll see, um, but I would pick Ohio State right there. I, I love those two both being in the mix simply because. They've got to play each other at this point in time. I I, I believe in Ohio State being a top-four team. I don't know that I'm a a huge believer in Michigan being a top-four team right now. I think there's a, a lot left to be desired with Michigan. Um, but they are 9-0. They've taken care of business. Other teams have fallen off. And and I think they're next in line. So the, the one thing I don't like about the Ohio State-Michigan neck-and-neck neck is the conversation that follows of – can two Big Ten teams get into the the college football playoff? I, I think anything can happen. So, I mean, there's no need to sit here saying, well, it can or it can't. But I, I'm assuming that other teams are going to remain one loss, at, at, like Tennessee or like Oregon or like USC or UCLA, whoever comes out of the Pac-12. Um, and I, I just don't think that a team can run a schedule of – a subpar schedule, let's just say that then lose a monster football game late in the season and still be considered to be a college football playoff team. So that's my only problem with Michigan and Ohio state being in the top four right now is that all of a sudden everybody wants to have a conversation of, well, if the loser may still get in. And I just, I'm pretty, I'm pretty bullish on that. I, I don't think that should happen. Uh, mean, George?
3: So just to jog with you, the best, Things that michigan does run the ball and play defense travel like it doesn't matter the weather let it snow pouring down rain whatever it is poor field conditions the the things michigan does best ohio state tennessee the rest of these teams were perimeter teams We're airborne we move around we got little guys that like turn corners and all the rest of that stuff and we've been talking about this Michigan's offensive line might be the best unit in college football, like the singular unit, a unit within a unit. So th- th- there's my faith in Michigan. Yes. They were not, those kids were not there when the schedule got put together, but they're handling it Saturday in Saturday. Out. The loser of Ohio state, Michigan is going to be in an interesting deal because they're going to sit next to Oregon and Tennessee right now. Right. And yeah, something strange could happen, but right now, Uh Oh, TCU, Oregon, and Tennessee, and the loser of Ohio State and Michigan. If you just look at Oregon and Tennessee, they all three, the Michigan and Ohio State loser, has a top, they lost to a top three team. Oregon lost to a top three team, and so did Tennessee. They all can claim that They lost to a top three team. Now, you can go back over the body of work, whatever it is, but I do know this when the committee does get in there, they do have that human element. Yes, resumes, yes, strength of schedule, but also eyeball test. And that's where that loser of that, the rivalry, it will get a lot of credibility because these two are your heavyweights and they've been so since the beginning of the season. And really they've been so over the last couple of years. If Clemson got this much love on legacy, for what they've been doing and hell, some of them kids aren't even in football anymore and they're still getting all this credibility. What are you going to do with Ohio state and Michigan, which combined has two losses in the last year plus. And one of them is in the playoffs. So I think it's going to be very interesting, but um, the eyeball test is absolutely going to figure in. You're not going to say TCU can beat Michigan or Ohio state in a neutral site. Oregon, you could make a case. T- Tennessee, you could certainly make a case, and then it's going to get messy and human and all the rest of that stuff. But it will be some drama if, if these two play at close.
1: But but here here's here's the deal to me is one, I mean Tennessee's schedule with they I and mean, they beat Alabama and LSU. They got two top ten top ten victories that 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 should that should stomp a mud hole in Ohio State or Michigan's ass if they're if they're both one and one you know with one lost football teams, but. But to, to you, like, George, to me, like, and this is kind of where I view it from, right, is like if if Michigan and or Ohio State, whoever it is, it can't be both, obviously, but whichever one loses in is a one-loss football team. At that point in time, it shouldn't be, well, can TCU play with Ohio State? No, let's question if Ohio State can play with TCU. TCU has six wins versus plus 500 football teams this year. The other guys don't. Right. So I I agree with you that it's a there's a legacy play, which I fucking I I hate. Excuse my language. Sorry. Sorry, yo. I absolutely hate um, the eyeball test. I've watched Ohio State. Um, I had not watched a ton of Michigan, but I've watched a lot of Ohio State. They, They don't they this this isn't a they're really good. Don't get me wrong. Really good football team. But I don't sit there and go eyeball test. Top four eyeball test. No brainer over whoever's got one loss. Like I just I don't I don't watch
3: that at all. Oh um, man, I would invite you to watch some more Ohio State. It, you, I don't what, think, what, give me the moment. What, what do you mean watch? What do you want me to watch? Well, they have no natural vulnerability. They have no natural weakness. There isn't anything that team can't do. Last year the defense was porous. They turned into a track team, and we're just gonna have to gun you down from start to finish. They don't do that. If we have a four-minute offense now, if we need to choke you out. We can pounce on you early if we have to. We can run you off the field and make plays defensively and we're never 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 pressed. Ohio George, what, game, never what game what game are
1: you watching? I'm just what, talking what,
3: about their their entire I mean, the, the last the NFL. last
1: three ball games. The last three ball games. Yep. They have left a ton to be desired.
3: What team a ton has to it? be
1: desired? The huh?
3: number 1 team that you praise that sits at the top escaped at home versus a Kent State team.
0: Go we're not flashes, talking about them.
3: Go flashes. We're not, we're not talking save. about them. But I'm just saying, what a team doesn't have, nobody's played the whole season perfect. And even when Michigan played it perfect, you said their schedule is imperfect. So you could really. No, no, no. Find no but George, there's not, anybody. you
1: can't, you can't, like, once a team proves, like, hey, like, there's teams that haven't played anybody. So you got to question, okay, are they really that good? Are they really? Are they really that good? I mean, we've talked so, about the strength of schedule with Ohio State. Like you can't, we can't go. Oh, the eyeball test. Oh, legacy. No, I've i i watched them struggle with Iowa. If Iowa does not turn the football over six times, that ball game's not. I mean, that ball. That's a
3: different ball game. What do you mean? Uh, to to turn the ball over, somebody has to take the ball from you. Come on, you know, George. That, did you watch that game? I watched every play of it. Iowa and Northwestern hung around. So hold, hold a second. Hold time. a second. Give me.
1: Give me. Give me one moment. In the last three ball games with 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 Ohio State, where you where you sat back in your chair and was like, "Damn, these dudes are strong on offense."
3: I mean, they're never weak on offense. Well, that's not, ex- we're, we're talking about a top four team. We're talking I'm about saying, a no brainer. So I, I'll play your game because you you keep pinning it to Ohio State. They exploded. No, we're we're 28- having an Ohio
1: State conversation. They have a horseshit schedule so far. Nobody else State in the top does.
3: But that's not on them. They they play. They blew up twenty eight points in the last six minutes against Penn State. They're the big horse that you might stay with them for a little bit, and they get up and leave you. It's the same criticism TCU gets. Ohio State just doesn't get the benefit of going over there and messing around in the Big Twelve. Kansas was Cinderella for a minute, died off, went off to wherever they went to. Like it's not on Ohio State. That what, what is okay? Down, okay, okay give me, down.
1: give me. Give me one. Give me one Heisman moment for C.J. Stroud this year.
3: You want a moment? Any pick heart? one. You watched them. You
1: watched them all. Pick one. Give me a. Give me a quarter of football. Give me a drive. Give
3: me something that you went. Boom. Oh, that's hell. it right there. I'm glad you asked. The second half, the two fourth quarter drives against Notre Dame to choke them out. That they needed that. The fourth quarter against Penn State guiding them because they weren't really running the ball in the first half if you watch that game and they came on through in the second half that was strong it's a body of work if you want a moment that sports center is going to reel i don't know if you have that but there's a reason why cj stroud is sitting at the top of the heisman and it's a reason why ohio state right 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 right. because whole body of work you know who does have moments a Ooh. whole lot of teams that are not at 25, they got moments. And you know who does okay. have a whole lot of cool highlights? A whole lot of kids who aren't going to New York. If you want, like, the little clip. Hooker, Bryce Young, we, we can talk
1: about their moments all day long. They're, they're all over the map.
3: But this deal don't come down to clips. It comes down to body of work. And if you didn't like something in- – if, if
1: everybody, act- if everybody played a cupcake schedule, everybody would have a body of work. George, like you can't. I mean, no, you, can't, you no, gotta. No. I can't. So
3: you just Yogi, you're just
1: opposed yeah. to having any conversations about Ohio State.
3: You're opposed to
1: having any conversations about Ohio State. I love, I no, no, love no, no. the passion. Yogi. Allow
3: me a second here, Yogi, because okay. I, I love this, and people keep going after the schedule, schedule, schedule. What do you think Ohio State would do if they went down and played Missouri? Wh- what are we doing, Missouri? Right. Exactly. You're gonna pick Vanderbilt next. No. What are we doing? The number one team in the country had the lead against Missouri for the last 45 seconds of the game, and that was it. They needed a game-winning drive to go down and beat Missouri, who because of that, Coach Drinkowitz got the the elite.
1: team you're talking about beat Oregon 49 to three, boss. It's 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 off the table. That's correct.
3: They had it's a off high. The table, they had some lows, they had a high. It's and off the table.
1: We we don't we don't need to bring Georgia into this conversation. No, it's off the you, table.
3: No, no, you do need to bring or- oh, you don't. in the conversation because everybody has looked mortal this season. Everybody has looked mortal. Point a it, team out that's And like one it. team
1: and one team has been challenged, challenged significantly less than anybody else in the conversation. And you don't want to acknowledge that.
3: It'd be Michigan technically because their schedule is lighter than Ohio State's.
1: But okay, there's, there's two of them, them for you. It they for happen to reside okay. in the same division, okay. in the same conference.
3: What would Ohio State do with TCU's schedule? You took too long. They'd they'd obliterate it. What do you think Michigan would do in the Big 12? You took too long. They'd obliterate it. What would either one of them do with Clemson's schedule?
1: You're missing the question, George. George, the question is, what would Ohio the
3: State
1: do versus a top ten football team? You want to talk about Missouri and Vanderbilt. I thought we were talking a college football playoff top ten. What would they do
3: versus a top ten team? What would They'd do? beat them. Because we haven't seen it. They'd beat them. What do you mean you haven't oh. seen it? Who do you think Ohio State is, and how do you think they got there? And who do you think Michigan is, and how do you think they got there? You think these are just two Cinderella's who made a couple wrong left turns? and showed up You want to tell me about what they, they did
1: last year? year? You want to tell me about what they did last year?
3: Hell, it matters. That's how Georgia's sitting at number one. We don't just start this well, thing. We have a preseason. They
1: just right. beat the number one team in the country. Who's that? Georgia just Tennessee. beat Tennessee.
3: Oh, yeah, very good, very good. Very
1: good. Okay. All right.
2: We're keep gonna going. Hit You gotta pause. keep going. We're gonna that hit the That ain't pause the season,
3: though. You know that, right? That ain't the whole season. Okay. Unless all you just right. want Hold to on. sit down there. Hold
2: on. Hold on. This is why I get to host the show. Okay. Appreciate the passion. Take a well, breath. Well That's done, Yogi. I gotta That's give it. me some more yogi. You say I'm gonna put i am I'm gonna put a bowl on this discussion. I'm gonna bring a little pac twelve love into this. If one of those two teams that you were just debating loses, in the game we'll all be watching to finish up the regular season. I don't think either one of them, if we were talking about an undefeated TCU, we all know how hard it is to go undefeated. TCU will be in. And if a Pac-12 champ like Oregon wins out, they will go in. Because what is valued in the room, I don't know if you guys have ever done this. I'd highly recommend it. You can go to Dallas. You can be part of the mock selection committee. I busted out my notes from three years. 2019, I went down there. And I got to act as Rob Mullins. He was sitting next to me. Got to see what they value. What they value in the room is wins when it's close over losses. What the Ducks will have over a one loss, Tennessee, non-champ, Michigan, Ohio State, non-champ, whoever loses in that game, Oregon or SC or even UCLA will have better wins. And that will be valued. So I think the one loss discussion of whoever those two teams are, if it's Michigan or Ohio State versus Tennessee, I hope they go to an amazing at-large bowl because that's where we're going to sit if one of the teams from the Pac-12 can win out because the ranked wins they will have dwarf anybody, anybody's schedule. When you look at it moving forward, especially the Ducks, when you look at who they have in Utah, and then they have Oregon state who was 23 last week, I think. And then they'll have the Pac-12 title against SC or UCLA or even Utah. There's a bunch of ways that can shake out. So I think that's how that will end up. But I love the discussion that you had about one losses. So now we're going to transition Wait, loss. wait, wait,
3: wait, wait. Allow me, because I can already read Clint's mind. Oddly, I think I'm going to be on his same side on this one. This is how good my mind is, Clint. Ooh, precedent dangerous. has already been set. The SEC has shown it. A major conference, or at least a conference with two dragons in it. Yeah, There I, has I agree, been but... other one-loss conference champs when the SEC had two teams go in. 100%. It's fair, George, but
2: nobody's had the schedule of potential ranked wins ahead of them. And I just think that when you look at, like I'll I'll just give you the numbers for Oregon's sake. Since Georgia, (laughs) since Georgia, number two in American scoring behind Ohio State by eight-tenths of a point. Tied for first in the nation, offensive touchdowns. uh, Eighth in the country in rushing. uh, Second in yards per carry. Like all their things, all the things that will get evaluated when it's close because of the value of the win and the opponent, I'm just telling you, I believe, it's going to make it, yep, put them up. Because they've rolled everybody that they've played, so I think they'll pass the eye test, they'll play ranked teams, and if they're going to compete against two non-conference champions that are, for this sake of the argument, Tennessee and or the loser of Michigan-Ohio State, I don't even think it'll be much of a discussion. I think because they value it. I'm looking at it right here. When circumstances indicate the teams are comparable, this is a quote. This is a quote from the CFP. Number one, championships won. Championship will be won. Number two, strength of schedule. I just referenced, it's not even close. Head-to-head competition, it won't matter among those teams that we're talking about. And comparative outcomes of common opponents, that doesn't exist either. So that's why I think if if it's the scenario we just played out, Oregon, SC, UCLA will get in over one loss, non-conference champ. Even if it's the most epic Ohio State-Michigan battle, and That's that just was mine. the
3: point I was going. If it goes to OT, the it doesn't matter. Human I don't think it'll will slow the whole. It'll. It may still go your way. It not your way, but it may go Oregon's way or it may way. go Tennessee's way. Like Clint was saying, it absolutely traffic will stop in that room if it comes down to a, a game expiring field agreed or a walk off,
2: and and what they'll do just from my experience of being in the room is they'll do what Clint referenced. They're going to go to what are your quality wins. I think when it's tight, they're going to go to some of those things. And to the point of Michigan, Ohio state, and even how we started this, that's fair. There's no quality. There's not, there's not as many quality wins they got. That's fair. Ohio state has, I think is a better argument, right? You look at where Illinois sits now. We'll see what that ends up becoming. I think that's who uh, Michigan has this weekend, right? Or next weekend. Yep. Uh, so I think that's heddling that out. Now I, I want to keep moving because we only got 17 minutes left, and there's been a ton of passion. Uh, I think it's fair to just have a. I'm gonna put a timer on you too. I think okay, like five, <laughs> seven minutes. Okay, LSU. Let's just say they win it. Let's just say they win the vaunted SEC. Now I'm gonna pull a couple quotes from earlier. I think we all would agree. There's nobody that we're given the automatic to to this year. We haven't seen anybody that's like the most dominant, whether it's Bama 2020, LSU 2019, whatever. So with that said, what do you think happens? LSU wins that conference with two losses, and they beat a Georgia team. And you have TCU undefeated. We all know how hard that is. And you have an Ohio State and or Michigan undefeated. And you have a one-loss Tennessee sitting outside. And you have a one-loss, just give it a USC champ, because their only loss would be one point on the road. On a two-point conversion to the defending Pac-12 champs, that will probably be top ten by the end of the year in Utah. Clint, what do you think?
1: I, I disagree with it wholeheartedly, but I think LSU would get in. Yeah, me too. Like What's the I, disagreement?
3: I just, What's the disagreement? I don't, don't think, think a, they will.
1: I don't. Yeah, I don't think they should. I don't. I don't think a two-loss football team should be able to get into the college football playoffs when other teams are undefeated and win losses.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, just, I
1: just, I don't, I, I don't. I mean, they they lost to Tennessee by twenty-three at home. At home,
2: oh. they lost
1: oh. to Florida State. And we're just going to forget about that because Chip Kelly and, and, you know, all the different stuff LSU has been great in the past and all that kind of job. I, I don't, I just wholeheartedly disagree with that. Like, I, I don't, I don't think teams that have, that are really good football teams that have bad luck, which by the way, George, that was at uh, Ohio State that, that year that Virginia Tech, they lost to Virginia Tech by, um, and ended up winning it all in 2014. Um, but Ohio's like, like I just don't think you should be. I don't think you should get the benefit of the doubt. If you get in, you get in. But I don't think put in a situation where you got to start comparing teams. I don't think we should forgive a team that lost to a much lesser team at their place or lost two ball games. Or you know, I, to me, there's too many really, really good football teams that have earned their way in, um, to to start doing that kind of thing.
3: But how do you? How would the commissioner? Of the committee walk to a microphone and a podium and say, We got our four teams. The champion of the SEC is not one of them.
1: He wouldn't do I mean, it. He wouldn't do it. Right. Yeah. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, I don't agree with it.
3: Oh, gotcha. It's, so, it's not, I mean,
1: there's no way in hell that an SEC championship, whoever it is, you know, doesn't, doesn't get in the college football playoffs. It's, I mean, bottom line, it just, we have, we've seen, have how many, how many two lost teams have we seen get in? Two? Zero zero, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, so team.
3: so if I like you I, denied them if you thought January 6th riots for something wait till you whoa. see them Cajuns come screaming in there if, if they win the whole thing. Yogi, I see it like this. Let's go with what you said. LSU wins it all. LSU, and then they bring Georgia with them because Georgia won the tie with Tennessee. So Tennessee's the prettiest one loss team in America. LSU, Georgia, Big Ten champ. And if TCU can remain undefeated, then hello, TCU. And then Oregon and Tennessee go play some epic game somewhere. Yeah. They play in the parking lot of the championship game if they want to. But then the SEC gets two in, I would think.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think the, the interesting point of that is that we've all said on this show from the beginning to 47 minutes in that we want to value the entirety of the season. And I think in years past in the playoff, it's been like, well, it's going to be Alabama. It's going to be Clemson. It's going to be Oklahoma. It's going to be Ohio State. They got the best rosters. And even if they have one loss, like whatever, like their rosters are low to give them a month off mm-hmm. and let them go play each other. And it's really hurt the sport. And yeah. I come at it as, and this is why I don't think the loser of Michigan or Ohio State should even be considered. And I believe that all of us, since we talked about the power of uniting in sport, there's never been a sport where you lose your last game and you're like, oh, keep going because everybody sees you that you pass this eye test or you think you're one of the best four, especially when it's comparable record-wise, because nothing else is comparable, mm-hmm. right? Like eight conference games versus nine conference games. I mean, all across college football, inequities exist. Mm-hmm. So I would, I'm would, i with you, Clint, on that. Like, I don't like that part of it, um, but I think we all understand the realities around I that. I hate it. I mean, I, look, what's, I... What's I, I, I so absolutely... shitty about it? Let me just, my last point. Oh, I'm sorry. If you took a quote from Boo Corrigan from the first time He was interviewed by Reese Davis. And I love the question from Reese. He said, Do you value conference conferences or conference schedule or the strength of a conference? And they said, No, not at all. It's all about teams. And and I just think that's interesting because I thought in the first ranking, Clint, we talked about last week, AM bumped up Bama, bumped up Ole Miss, and AM has one conference win. So I, I think that'll it'll be an interesting dynamic around this. And if anything, if LSU wins and goes. Man, I would love some world. I don't think it could happen because of all the money involved. But what world exists where there's like, let's expand this thing tomorrow. Have your four this year, and let's just expand this thing.
1: You're right. After after Cincinnati getting in last year, and, I'm, and I loved it. I love the group of five getting in. But just the, the way the stars all align for that to happen, and then all of a sudden a two-loss conference champion happens, and yeah. you go, well, you look at the eye test, Really, the guy, the team that lost the SEC championship is really the best team that, according to the eye test, that's the best football team, but they're not going to get in because this two-loss team beat them in a championship game. On but one, imagine
3: eight. this. If Clint, you're on the west side of your neighborhood, Yogi, you're on the east side of yours. Yogi's team is by far killing everybody except that other team on your side of the neighborhood you lose to. Say you lose to Team Hughes. Clint battles his way through his side of the west side of his neighborhood, then sees the team you got beat by and beats him. Based on the structure, he's going to come in with some real chinks and he's going to come limping in. But based on how that's structured, he won his side, then he knocked out the the team that beat you. He stands on top of the, the heap. It'd be hard to pull Clint down and say, yeah, but Yogi's team looked better. They had fewer losses than you. Yeah, but yeah. I I ran the, I ran through the structure that you guys asked me to run through, and this is why I stand on top. Well, I, here's ooh, that I would, would problem. be some real drama right there. That would that be
2: amazing. Crazy. We're, we're going to move on in a second, but here's my problem with the structure. Last time Alabama's played Georgia in the regular season, non-2020, was when? A oh. freaking decade ago. Yeah, like, the structure they- in the SEC is jacked. Like n- the powerhouses aren't playing powerhouses. Like, I think there's something to, again, even I just go to the inequities. conference. What's that? I said, even within conference. I yeah, within with con- Like th- that's the, that's the problem like that, that I see on this thing. And we can beat that up all day long, but I want to move on. Um, we've got 10 minutes left fellows. Um, I want to talk about the Heisman and then I want to bring up something about Alabama. So let's get a thought. Where do we think this thing is? Uh, if you look at, uh, Let's see. Let, let me kind of look at where this thing is at now. Uh, Bet Rivers has C.J. Stroud, Hedden Hooker, Blake at Michigan, Caleb Stetson, Bonex, Jaden Daniels, Drake Main um, as kind of the dark horses and the leaders in the clubhouse. When you look at the Heisman, Clint, I want to start with you. Do you look at because you said this phrase earlier, you said Heisman moment. Like, do you look at Heisman moment? Do you look at body of work? Like, how, how are you evaluating this thing? as CJ is the leader in the clubhouse least according to this.
1: Yeah, look, I think it's I think it's a combination of of all of the above that you mentioned, but but I, I think I think most importantly you got to watch a guy that has the ability to put his team on his on his back and 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 change the game and give them a, a a chance to win a football game in the moment, not not consistently and just you know drive the ship and I'm talking about in the moment, monster plays, monster throws, um if they're quarterback, obviously, if it's a running back, it's more of a, just a consistent, just ground and pound all year long and be the reason that your team is, is unstoppable. So that the running back may be a little bit different, but I think when we're talking about quarterbacks for me, um, it's, it's just the, the ability to take your team and put them on your back in absolute crunch time and show that you got ice water in your veins, uh, and, and you go make plays, whether it's with your feet or with your arm, um, I, I think it's I think it's a combination of everything you mentioned, but if I had to
2: rank them yoga, I guess yeah, it's, you get it's, to invite four guys to New York City. You're giving them four PJs flying out to the big apple.
1: Oh, you, you may go to straight to guys. I was just saying like for me, I was ranking, I was talking about ranking like like category. Oh, to oh, me, okay, I need ahead. to see monster moments throughout the year when the when the okay. stage is the biggest, the lights are the brightest, the game's on the line, and you're the reason that your team separates and goes and wins a ball game. And so, um, you know, I I think I've seen that from from Young. The two that I've seen it from consistently and we've seen it from consistently, I think, is is Young and Hooker. Obviously, Hooker had a little bit of a hiccup this week versus Georgia. Um, That'll hurt him. So I think it brought him back to for me. He was my front runner outright. That brought him back to the crowd a little bit. Hooker and Young are the two top guys for me. Stroud is obviously in that conversation and I mean, very solidly. I, to me for him to be considered a a like have a legit shot over the guys that we've mentioned I, I need a moment like i i need i need a moment this season of of when you just put the team on your back and went and and went and won a monster ball game um and i, I personally have yet to see it um there's a couple of guys to me that we haven't talked about that i think are are dark horses and yo you're gonna like a couple of them I, I think I think DTR at UCLA is is depending on what their team does is is they he's he's got a chance. I think Bo Nix. Look, I mean, I know you have Yogi, but Bo Nix's numbers are are stupid. stupid. I mean, throwing and rushing in terms, I don't I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but his rushing and passing touchdowns are up there with the best of them when you combine the two of them. He's got his team in the top ten. I think he's he's an outsider. I think the kid at uh, at at uh, TCU. Got his team in the top four right now. You look at how how they're winning ball games, and you look at big moments. He's doing it with his feet and with his arm. I, I think now these are all obviously dark horses. I think when you talk about Hooker's, still my favorite. Young and Stroud are in the are, are in the mix. They're in New York, and then the all these guys I'm mentioning right now are for me are are guys that that are are dark horses or Cinderellas, if you will.
2: Okay, George, I, I know you value. I don't Go.
3: really disagree with him just uh, running down this crew love what Drake may and, and and coach Mack and those guys are doing Tar Heels that they're a next year story. Oddly enough. So is Caleb Williams and USC USC arrived a year early house money. (laughs) Go see how much you can tear it all up. The, The expectations like they're up there, but nobody's like, we're not holding our breath to see what USC does. It's just like, it's just fun. Right. Okay. So those two are early Knicks and DTR. There is something there. A little bit of that's that West Coast because they don't get a chance to play big prime time yet. Like their biggest games have all been day games. DTR knocked out Utah in a day game. Knicks has been doing his thing in day games and they kind of get lost. But they're right there. They're right there. Hooker Stroud, Bryce Young. All respect to Blake Corham. It's going to be tough for him to make as much noise as the quarterbacks are. I still think Bryce Young is right there. Tim Tebow had three losses when he held up the Heisman Trophy. Mm. Bryce has two. He stole that from
1: Darren McFadden, by the way.
3: (laughs) So, But Bryce has two losses to two teams that both beat Bama, one by a point and the other one by a point. And he played fantastic in both games. He's exciting. He's your, your big moment Derek Jeter in the playoffs type guy. Stroud has been really consistent he's got to I think he's got to take apart Michigan he'll he's going to New York he's already got a seat there his mom and dad go ahead and get your suits and stuff ready mom get your brooch. you're going to New York but for him to hold this thing up he had to have done something special against Michigan that's how Charles Woodson brought it home that's how Desmond brought it home that's how all the other Buckeyes brought it home it just goes par for the course so Stroud's biggest moments are ahead of him Hooker's probably his biggest moments are behind him. It's like, who who can jump up to what I just jumped? He yep. jumped high yeah. jump first, and he's just going to let everybody else see what they can do. Let me
2: ask you guys both a quick question. I want to give yep. context to Bo, just to, for, to your point. Uh, 13 ru- rushing touchdowns, most in the country. 22 passing, 14th, most in the country. 35 total touchdowns, number one <laughs> in America. Like He's playing out of his mind, and I think he deserves a flight to New York City because he's been so consistent. Like you look at even that first game, had four drives in the first half, two ended up in picks. Everybody's calling for him to lose his job, and the dude hasn't flinched. Okay. So to that point, here's my question for you: In our last three minutes, Henan Hooker, you may know this, but what if I told you he was the same age as Justin Herbert? Like, does 25. it does it matter? Like we're in this role where guys are in college forever. Like he's 24. Hello, 22, and, and it feels like Bo's been in college for forever. I think it's just somebody brought it up to me as a voter. I was, I was talking to people that have a vote on this thing, and I was like, I didn't know that. That wouldn't and- affect
3: me one bit. I think it's even harder. Look at, look at uh, what's our guy's name from Ellis? Burrow. You were kind of on the outside at Ohio State. You leave to go find you a horse that you can really ride. First year at LSU, they were average. 500 ball club and only threw 16 touchdowns. You know what kind of tenacity it takes to keep betting on yourself? To oh, hang to, in, totally. To keep I, I'm
2: with you on that. So my, my Hendon question... Hooker
3: to me is following that, minus all the cheetah wide receivers that Burrow had. He he's the closest thing to Burrow to me. That wouldn't bother me. 24, 25, the tenacity to do it. The thing that's I think is easier is to ride into college as a five-star, like what Arch Manning's oh. about to do. You got all this tailwind behind you. And all you gotta do is catch the right wave or two, get a couple nice wins, and you're gonna find yourself in New York. The tough part is to get thrown off a horse or not even have one. Scramble, scratch, find one. Oh hell, it's a donkey! Get off of that one. Find another horse, and then find your way to the front. That to me is like Hooker's story is incredible.
2: Okay, you got 30 seconds left, Clint. Is that, does that does that do anything man. for you? The age? Just no, it doesn't, it doesn't do it. I'll, I'll tell
3: you, I'll, I'll skip. They don't do
1: nothing for me at all. But but jo- what George said about Caleb Williams and, like, the next year's stories, I think Caleb Williams is the absolute truth. You know, yeah. When you talk about quarterbacking and when you talk about the next level, I'm, I'm a Bryce Young guy through and through. I just firmly – I straddled the fence a little bit on several guys originally, and then I just – I'm hook, line, and sinker on Bryce right mm-hmm. now. But Caleb Williams, he is – I think he – you talk about put a team on your back and go win. And, and the skill this. set just – the skill set translates to the NFL the minute he steps on the field. I Hit think he's
3: – Aaron Rodgers.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, all right. Last thing. Aaron we're going to say goodbye here in a second. I'll say this. Right now, like Bo Nix, his consistency and performance, at least on the West Coast and I think even in the country, he's in the conversation. I think Stetson Bennett should be in the conversation. And, but oh, if right. I had to take one dude to ride my team, to drive the car to whatever, it would be Caleb. Now, he had three games, four games that were a little down this year, but – Caleb Williams is just a different beast. So we'll see how that shakes out. And also I want to end on this note. For, to George's point, USC was 4-8 and eight last year. They're currently ranked higher than Alabama and Clemson. Like, I just think that is really wow. cool, uh, especially out here on the West Coast, cool. let alone throughout the nation. Uh Hire fellas, it was a right conversation. Hire the right guy, Yogi. Well, Hire the right there, guy. There a bunch I don't know how opus. many Lincoln Rileys there are out there. <laughs> uh, but we'll see. Hey. Uh, I'm sure Coach Prime will be getting an offer out here somewhere soon. Uh, fellas, just before we leave, you guys good? Are we good? I hate all you bitches. Okay, perfect. There it is. Hey,
3: Clint, nice job hanging in there, Clint, against that flurry. Kept your
2: gloves up. Kept your mouthpiece in. Good
3: job, sir.
2: All right. Peace. I hope you voted. And uh, lots of love. Appreciate it. Check us out on X.